You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 274. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is literally the number one website service I recommend for people that are getting their businesses started. So if you have any reason to create one, like my friend Steph, who's starting a psychology business, I literally sat with her the other day and told her all of these wonderful things that I tell you guys here on the show about Squarespace as well, and then told her the code. So it was kind of weird because I felt like I was doing one of these sponsorship spots right in front of her, but that's because I really do love it. And I'm going to tell you the same thing I said to her. I would recommend to go to Squarespace, pick a beautiful, beautiful template that you love. There are so many to choose from and then work with the photographer to create images that are going to fit the template you've chosen so well. If you can do that, you can create a website that looks like a million dollars for a very, very, very simple fraction of the price. If you want to see what I'm talking about, go over to squarespace.com lively. That's going to give you a free trial to see if you like it as much as I do and have used it here on Team Lively for many sites we've had as well. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code lively to save 10% off your purchase of the website or domain. I hope you love it as much as I do. And like I said, just get the photos right and the rest of it Squarespace is taken care of. All right, now let's move on. Where am I? I'm in Sydney right now working on C-School. So excited for C-School to now be live out there in the world. So far, you guys have seen the episode that I've spoken about regarding C-School, but what hasn't taken shape yet is actually the branding, which is, of course, with my jewelry designer days all those many moons ago. I love branding and I love design, and I'm so excited to bring that aspect to C-School because in the consciousness industry, or I don't know, I guess it's probably becoming an industry, but either way, in this work, I've seen a lot of different design that's not really resonated with me as much as what we're doing with C-School. So I'm so excited to have so much fun creating something so beautiful and at the same time, so powerful. So anyways, that is getting underway. I have a meeting with my design team actually right after recording this episode. So very excited to release that to you guys more and more as we get that finished out. And right now, I'm just gonna do an episode. This is probably not gonna be the longest episode ever. However, it's going to tell you what I'm truly doing right now in my life and how I'm living it. Think of this as an update for me personally to you about how I'm living and the crazy results I'm getting from living my life in this way. As you guys have heard me say before, I like to say that I'm the Abrahamster. If I've listened to Abraham Hicks say something even really dramatic, like you get no results out of a line state compared to an in-aligned state that is towards what you're wanting, that kind of thing. If they say those things, I like to push the boundaries and really see what's possible for myself if I release the limitations and the limiting beliefs that I believe. For example, one of the things I've shared recently, I forget where I was talking about it, was that I had this feeling of not feeling like doing taxes. Now, obviously the 2017 tax season just wrapped up for the US a few days ago, but this was actually for the 1099s or something like that earlier on 
this year. It wasn't the final tax season deadline, but it was another deadline for some tax stuff. And as I was not feeling in alignment to actually work on it, I had this realization that I had a limiting belief that Abraham's work applies to everything but taxes. Death and taxes, I think Ben Franklin said, you know, everything in life is fleeting except for those two things. Well, I had this limitation around taxes. Like that is this horrible thing that you have to, not horrible, but what it is, is this really hard line. You can't mess that up. It's kind of like when you're a a kid at school and you are told that these are the rules and then you just follow them and you later learn like those are just the rules that that person at that point in time and that level of consciousness set up and they may not have even been that useful for you looking back on it many years later. Well, I feel like that about taxes, but I had this little kid syndrome of like, oh, but I can't do this here. I have to go do this no matter what my emotional state is. Long story short, I ended up pushing the boundary and was late a few days by the deadline. And when I found out, I was like, all right, so I asked my accountant, like, what's the big hit here? What did I do by pushing this boundary for myself and breaking this assumption that I had, that I had to do this, like everything else I can do in alignment, but taxes, it doesn't matter if I'm in alignment or not. Well, it's not like I wasn't paying the taxes. This is just simply a form or something like that we had to fill in and submit. Well, I asked him what was going to happen now that I've broken the rule, and it turned out it was a $50 fine. And I was like, you're kidding. That's what I was avoiding, and that's what I was worried about was a $50 late penalty? What? Like I'm sitting here running my life with far, like $50 is so not an important part of my life compared to my alignment and the results that alignment has given me. That is the smallest little drop in the bucket compared to my alignment and what it has created for me. So in that realization, it was so cool to see that these limiting beliefs we have rule our lives in such a great way, but really often they're just kind of shadows or these fears of scary monsters that aren't actually that scary. Now, none of that has to do with anything that I'm planning on telling you guys today, but it's just so good to talk to you. I did this the other day a little bit around C-School, but man, we've done a lot of interviews lately and I have enjoyed it. However, I'm just excited to talk to you guys. I have a feeling I'll be doing more solo shows again in the future. I have some Q&As lined up and I also, I know I've gotten a lot of requests I'm going to have a crystal episode. I have found the perfect person that I want to interview for the crystal episode that's going to tie the science and the spiritual together because that is something that I'm excited to learn more about is how the science behind the frequencies of stones interact because growing up, I got exposed to crystals for their meanings at crystal shops and it's so cool to see the intentions behind them, but I want to know more about the structures of the stones themselves and why they're so special and how they work. So anyways, that's another tangent, but let's move on to how I'm living my life right now. So as you guys have heard, especially if you're a Flow member and you've taken Flow with Intention online, by the way, on that subject, it's going evergreen very soon. So if you want to take Flow with Intention, you're going to be able to take it now whenever you like. We have, I think, 40 plus hours of content for the level that is the 101 level and 117 hours of content, massive amount of content for the masterclass level. So you'll be able to start diving into this whenever you feel like it at your own pace very, very soon. So 
Anyways, if you've taken flow, you know this. If you have heard me here on the show, you've probably picked this up too. I am all about what Abraham Hicks calls the receptive mode. But the framework or the phrasing that I use, because I think it's a little more direct and it just kind of helps people in their own minds recognize the very two simple steps. Step one is alignment. Step two is action. So alignment before action is the way that I look at this, but they would call it the receptive mode. And when I'm playing my game of life right now, and I'm going to explain why I call it a game in a second, because some people might be saying, yes, life is so serious. Well, it is serious if you decide to make it a serious life and you'll attract circumstances to reflect the seriousness. Or you can actually reflect that life is supposed to be fun. It can be more of a game and you'll create that reality. Everybody's creating the reality that's true for them based on their beliefs. But Let's get into alignment before action and what that receptive mode looks like. So as Abraham talks about, especially more and more on the recent videos, if you listen on YouTube, they will talk about meditating to quiet your mind and get into the receptive mode. And as your mind is quieted through meditation and focusing on things like the air conditioning sound, just simple things, closing the mind down from its normal chitter chatter, different thoughts that you consciously weren't thinking as your mood rises will come to you. So the idea is they say, calm your normal thinking mind. And then as you're calming that mind, any worrisome thoughts will go away. So your emotional set point may naturally rise. And in that naturally rised up, risen emotion, a random thought might show up in your head. Whatever that random thought that's like, whoa, where did that come from? Especially if it's something that feels exciting or positive, not necessarily like a crazy thought that's out of left field about a fear, but if it's a positive one, there's an indication that you're on the receptive mode and your inner being or intuition is trying to communicate for you to go do that thing. And that the idea is after that 15, 20 minute calming of the mind, whatever inspired action you feel like doing after that is the thing to go do next because you're hopefully starting to create a connection and communication with your inner being or intuition. So that is what they talk about. I, as you guys know, love my alignment time. I love getting as happy, happy, happy as I feel like getting. And then from that aligned state, I love then taking the inspired action, the actions I feel like taking that are fun. So for example, in my tax situation earlier, I didn't feel like that was the fun thing to do, but eventually I did. It just wasn't at the deadline. And actually, I think that was a really powerful moment for me to recognize how I was so doggedly in faith on this concept over the last two years. But with taxes, I was like, dun, dun, dun. No, it can't be done there. And then proved myself, my ego wrong by actually trying this in even a situation like that and seeing the very minor repercussion that was great. And actually, when it comes to my 2017 yearly taxes, that flowed so beautifully, totally on time and had no issues at all. So it was really just this experience of contrast. And then to be able to now have the liberated state to go, oh my gosh, even the things I think can't be done if I'm willing to test it are totally fine too. So now let's go back. You guys may, especially again, if you've taken flow, you probably heard me talk in the last two rounds of flow about how I love listening to Abraham Hicks while playing solitaire. That was something for my traveling season of life I loved doing. I started doing it on planes, listening to Abraham while playing solitaire. And I think it gave my beta brain, my conscious mind, something to do with its 
you know, logical resources while my subconscious and the right brain just soaked in everything Abraham was saying. So I love, love, loved playing solitaire for thousands of hours as I listened to thousands of hours of Abraham. But I had a friend who takes flow named Catherine, and then I ran this by my other friend, Ezzy, who's been here on the show too. You guys have heard her talk about the moon cycles. They pointed out to me that the game of solitaire with the title solitaire, solitary, being alone, was something they thought with my dating status was not something I should probably focus on. And I was like, are you guys kidding? I mean, if this was called, I don't know, a jigsaw puzzle and had nothing to do with the word solitary, then it probably wouldn't be an issue. But because of the name, that's why I can't play this wonderful game that I'm so kind of addicted to. But either way, they said, you know, just come up with something else to do. Don't keep playing solitaire. You're sending out this solitary vibration. And I gave it a shot because both of them had encouraged me to really think about the semantics of what I was doing more than actually the game itself. And out of that, the universe provided me something else to do instead. So I rewatched for the third or fourth time with a friend who hadn't seen it, this video about remote viewing. Now, if you're interested in remote viewing, it's kind of where you close your eyes and you kind of get into the receptive mode we're talking about. You close your eyes, you quiet your mind and any visions or experiences that come to you are something that you describe. And the idea is that you're projecting your consciousness to other places and spaces and then whatever experiences or visuals or inclinations or information you're receiving you describe now this has been going on in the i think it was the 60s and 70s for the cia in fact in the u.s and this person russell targ i think was his name was describing this remote viewing program and how effective it was and how they even started training normal army soldiers to do the same thing i believe, but I haven't seen it yet. He made a reference to The Men Who Stare at Goats, which I think is a movie based on loosely somehow this program, but I don't know for sure and I haven't seen the movie. But either way, I think that's the idea is that there is the CIA program, believe it or not, that was focused on remote viewing and actually using that remote viewing in a way to actually identify important documents believe it or not, or also find and locate people that were missing or abducted in war situations. So they were describing all of the results in this, what it's called online is like the banned TED Talk. I don't know if it really was a TED Talk. I don't really know if it was banned, but I found the interview or the kind of presentation he gave fascinating. And in it, as I rewatched it for the third or fourth time, I finally picked up on this one Part, my friend noticed that he said, if you want to get your extrasensory perception, that ability to, you know, do something maybe like remote viewing or something else that's using your own intuition and guidance that's not based on your five physical senses, he created a free app called ESP, like Extrasensory Perception Trainer. ESP trainer. Now you can go Google this and do this right now. My friend, as I watched it for the third time, they had never seen it before and they immediately wanted to download the app. So I did too. And I was fascinated because it was like the universe was giving me a brand new game to play with all day long whenever I liked that actually was helping me to hone my sense and skills on getting into the receptive mode. The game is so simple to play and we'll put a link in the show notes for this episode if you want to go find it, but truly just on your phone, guys. Just stop this episode, go search for ESP 
trainer, T-R-A-I-N-E-R, and you're good to go. And I don't know if it's on Android, so I just have an iPhone and was able to find it, but it's free, you download it, and what you'll see when you download is four colored squares. There's like a green, blue, red, and yellow squares. They're just sitting there in front of you, and the idea of the game is incredibly simple. You simply select one of the squares and guess which one is the right square. So the game has selected a correct square and your job is to figure out which square have they selected. So you just literally click the squares. So as you go, you click square blue, then you click square green. And if it's right, that you really picked the one that they had selected to be the right card, you'll hear a ding, your phone will vibrate, and you'll see a photo flash in front of you, kind of as a reward. And if you don't get it right, let's say you click blue, but the real card was green, then the green square will get highlighted. Now I'm guessing when most people play this game, they play it by looking at the cards and they play by guessing with their mind. And I'm guessing they're quite uh, hit or miss in terms of their results. However, when I looked at it, I was like, ding, 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 ding. This is not called solitaire. Even though I'm playing it alone, I can do it while I'm listening to Abraham. But what I love about it is I play it the way Abraham describes getting into the receptive mode. So if you watch me play this game versus anyone else, I would imagine that would normally just pick up this game and start playing, you would be like, whoa, what is she doing? I don't even look at the cards. I'm not even looking at my phone. My eyes are generally closed or looking away from the phone. All I'm doing is feeling in my mind or feeling in my fingers which direction my finger feels called to go and then I press that button. So I'm not looking also to see if I got it right. Because it dings and because it vibrates when you get it right, I don't need to see the phone because I know because it's dinging and it's vibrating. But if I get it wrong, I'll just hear like a little click sound that doesn't, it's kind of like the you didn't get it right sound. But I don't care what the right one was. I don't want to see it because if I do, then I'm going to be analyzing all day long with my beta brain, which is not where the inner being lives, not where the intuition is, not where the extrasensory perception is. I would be logically analyzing just like I was taught when I was really young to, you know, when you're like taking tests and there's the A, B, C, or D bubbles, I was taught to analyze. I was taught to think, okay, well, it's been this, you know, it's A, B, and C up here. So maybe the odds are that it's going to be D for this one based on odds, based on logic, not based on intuition and not based on the feeling that I feel. So for me to know that it had been, let's say, yellow for the last three tries and I got it wrong the whole time, my logical mind might say, well, it can't be yellow this fourth time, just like it would say it can't be letter C on the test for the fourth time. But in this totally randomized ESP trainer, the odds are it can be four. Well, not the odds are, but the reality is that it can be yellow for four times in a row. And if I'm just listening to my inner being and intuition and pressing based on what I feel called to press, I might get it wrong. I might be hitting red when it's yellow. I might be hitting blue when it's yellow. I might be hitting green when it's yellow. But by that fourth time, I might guess in my inner being that it's going to be yellow the fourth time and I'll press it and get it right versus if I looked at it the whole time and saw, man, it's always yellow and I keep getting it wrong, I would not click yellow that fourth time thinking they're 
obviously this is going to move on to another color soon. So it can't possibly be that now. So in that, the other detail that I've really learned to hone besides this inspired action, what feels like the right thing to press, and sometimes it is pressing the same button a bunch of times or even getting really good at understanding when the impulse feels like hitting one of the three cards. I've had phases where I hit blue a lot and get it right all the time. I've had phases where I get yellow right all the time. I've had phases where I get green right all the time. For some reason, I haven't had a phase where I really want to hit red all the time. Don't know why. It's just it, literally I'm not even looking at the color, but I've just noticed that square is not one that I've honed the spidey senses to. But when it comes to the receptive mode, one of the other things is that your logical mind still wants to project, even as you're not even looking at what the previous squares have been, I'll notice that your your logical mind can still try to project based on the pattern that you're pressing. So it still might logically say, well, you've just pressed yellow a bunch, so it can't possibly be yellow next. And it's you know, you haven't pressed red forever, Jess. Maybe it's red now, but that's thinking. That's not feeling what one to press. That's thinking about which one to press. And also sometimes I notice I'll click one because I'm thinking it's one, even though I have a slight impulse to click another one. I get it wrong. And what I've noticed, and I think this is just a very human tendency, is that let's say I feel like pressing yellow, but I instead think about it and press green and it wasn't right, green was not right. The tendency I noticed early on was that the mind wants to then go press yellow and go, man, I got it wrong, oops, let me go click what I knew it was all along. But the thing about this trainer that's so simple and also, again, I'm probably getting more out of this than any other human playing this game, but the thing I'm realizing is, guys, if I thought it was yellow and I press green instead, and then my mind wants to go back and make good, kind of go back in time and press yellow anyways and go, God, I knew, I think it was yellow. No, 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 you can't do that. You have to be in the present moment. You've already pressed green. If it was yellow on the last move, it's not necessarily the inspired action to be yellow again. So you can't go back and correct your mistakes. You have to be in the present moment and you have to listen to what your inner being is calling you to now, now, now. So it's so cool when I sometimes press the wrong button, even though I have an inclination to go one way and I go another, to catch myself and say, okay, inner being, that might have been the right one and I didn't act on your impulse. But what feels like the right one to press now after that other one? So sometimes in my mind, I'll actually pretend, okay, I did press yellow. I didn't press yellow, but I should have. So what's after yellow? What's the next one to press? What's the inclination? Sometimes I'll feel like two moves in a row and I'll go press the blue button because after the yellow, I felt it was going to be blue. Instead of going back and pressing yellow, which when it's blue, it's blue. It's not yellow anymore. You have to be in the present moment. So you might be like, Jess, you've spent more time on this than any other human. And some really like, you know, dorky, really into this people are going to be like cheering for me right now. And other people will say, whoa, Jess is crazy. But either way, now I'm going to talk about how this applies to my life, because the point of this is not just to play a different game than solitaire. The point of this is to then hone my spidey senses, hone my ESP, if you will, the extrasensory perception, that inspired action in my daily life. So as I play this, I then 
hone in on what it feels like to feel like pressing something versus what it feels like to think about pressing a button. And when I'm in my regular life, I try to do the exact same thing. Instead of thinking about what I should do next, I feel what I should do next. Let's use my little tech example that has now become a big theme in this show. I didn't feel like pressing the taxes earlier. I could have thought I should press the tax button, but I didn't because it wasn't feeling right. Now, that doesn't mean that there was some other horrible thing that would have happened if I didn't press the tax or if I did press the tax button. But in that moment, it didn't feel like the inspired action to press and actually show me that even this limitation and belief was really not that scary. I just hadn't been willing to realize what the implications really were and thought it was something that was more important than my own alignment, which turned out not to be true. Again, not telling you not to pay your taxes or anything, guys, but that was just a little form submission. I now broke that belief. So now I can do it in alignment, but I don't feel obligated to do anything beyond my inner being's guidance. Okay, I want to give you guys some examples of pressing that next right square in my life. So I'm going to give you four different examples. One's personal, two are work, and then one is in dating. So I'm saving the best for last, by the way. The most specific one I just think is so funny. But let me start with a simple one because I think examples of this are so helpful. So When I was walking down the street in epic alignment the other day, this is like a week or two ago, I was walking down the street, totally high-flying, good-feeling place, and I was standing at a crosswalk in the CBD or the downtown of Sydney, and I was walking to this coffee shop I felt like going to. And while I was there, I saw this woman, and she was wearing these shoes. The shoes looked like a pair of shoes I kind of put in my vortex, or I, I wanted to have a few years ago while I was traveling. They were kind of strappy gladiator-y style heels, and they were in this really pretty nude color. Because I was in the good mood, if I was not in the receptive mode, I don't think I would have done this. I just would have thought about it, but I wouldn't have acted on it. But instead, in that high-flying place, I felt the urge, like kind of like that button press, like I feel like it's going to be yellow this time. I felt that about asking her about her shoes. So I said, excuse me, I really love your shoes. Where did you get them? And she said they were from this brand called Whitmar and you could get them at the David Jones, which is kind of the equivalent Nordstrom here in Sydney. So I said, thanks so much. And I went to the coffee shop. And then after the coffee shop, since I was right near David Jones, I went over to the store and I went to the shoe department and looked for those gladiator heels. They didn't have that style at the store. But while I was kind of still in the receptive mode while they were looking was glancing at the sale tables around me in that section. And while I was looking, another pair of shoes just caught my vision. And you guys know my vision. I've been working on it and seeing some magical results, but it's still generally far from perfect. I would guess at this point, my eyes are probably negative two because now when I wear, I don't wear them very often, but whenever I do put on the negative two glasses versus my old negative fours, I think I'm seeing 2020 or very close to it with the negative two. So I think my prescriptions halved what it used to be. Anyways, I'm sitting there and I love now going shopping with my site because I have to more rely on the energy and that inspired action, that pressing that ESP trainer button, because I can't see all the details of every single thing. So I kind of feel more pulled physically, or I have different senses to help guide me to things than just detail in sight alone. So either way, I find this pair of shoes amongst all of these beige shoes, and I look at them and recognize they look 
as far as my eyes could tell, like an identical pair of shoes that my friend Amanda had. She was wearing these sandals. They kind of were like heeled moccasin peep toe shoes. And I looked at them and I thought those were so cute and comfortable and awesome. And I said, Amanda, I love your shoes. Where'd you get them? And she said, I got them a few years ago at a little boutique. And it was one of those purchases that you get and you know, they're really good. And I was like, yeah, totally. And also I want those shoes, but you got them a few years ago at a boutique in Bondi. I'm never going to get those shoes. Well, there they were, or at least to my eyes, those are the identical shoes. So I asked the lady as I'm waiting for this other pair of shoes to be checked in stock. I say, hey, do you have these in the size eight? And they did. The last pair, of course, is the size eight. I get them and they were marked down from around $200 to guess what it was? $55. Five, five. Now, if you guys have followed me at all, you know I love some alignment and repetition in numbers. It's just a little Easter egg or a little goodie from me to my intuition and vice versa. It's like a little text message from my inner being saying, I love you. You're on the right track. You're in alignment. So of course they were five, five. It wasn't any other you know, price wasn't $89 or $51. It was $55, the last pair in my size. So what I realized was my inner being was like, okay, Jess, at least you can play life like this. You don't have to play life like it's trying to make this a game for you, but you can, and it can be more fun to live a life where you feel like it's something like this, where it's a game where the inner being is like, okay, we found your shoes. It's the last pair. It's time to go get them. But the only way you're going to get them is by seeing this other woman's pair of shoes and feeling the urge to ask her where she got them so that you get over to David Jones and find the pair that you've wanted all along. And it ended up that I still wanted the first pair I saw, but that all ended up being sold out through Whitmar and through David Jones. So didn't end up getting the first original pair, but what I did get, it flowed me to a pair that I technically... It probably goes with almost even more than the other pair would have. And maybe, who knows, I'll find the other pair at some point in some other magical way. But it was a really fun, simple example that I had this urge and I had no idea it would lead me to Amanda's shoes. I thought it would lead me to the lady's shoes, but it was something that I was wanting and it came into my life in one of the most unexpected ways ever. Now I'll give you a work example. So in work, I don't really work a lot, but I do have an amazing team. And I'm really just, I love delegating to team members that are awesome at what they do and their strengths complement the needs of our team. So I get to stay in this creative mode where I sit and practice learning crazy consciousness things, different subconscious modalities and all the stuff that I get to bring to you here on the show. I love that I've created a team that has, or like, allowed a team to flow to me that is so wonderful at all these other aspects so that I can stay so focused on the consciousness stuff and on the curriculums and on the things that I'm learning and sharing with you rather than the day-to-day implementation of work and keeping a team of about 15 now running smoothly. So anyways, as I'm having a call with our COO, Tony, he says, you know, just teams like yours or companies or people with businesses at your size tend to bring someone on in a more full-time capacity that the scope that you're getting at it's probably you know close to around that time and now I hadn't felt stressed I hadn't felt overwhelmed by our amount of work on the team however Looking at the evolution and the growth of C-School, C-School Online, C-School Kids, C-School Parenting, it's going to get much bigger and there'll be more things to track 
than our current team on Team Lively has had with just the show and Flow with Intention and other classes. So it hadn't hit any roadblocks. It hadn't hit any tipping point of this is too much. But he said it right before it was about to. And as he said it, it was like one of those moments to press the button. And I was thinking, well, okay, if we did something like that, who would be the person to do so? And it turns out the person for C-School Live, her name is Jacqueline. She's probably listening to the show. Hi, Jack. Thank you so much. Anyways, I had this realization and we had actually talked at the top of the meeting about how great Jack is at her job with C-School Live and how wonderful she's doing, creating everything that's going to go into the experience for everyone that comes. It's truly amazing to see how excited she is and how on top of everything she is, even while she has a little seven-month-old named Finn, who's my favorite co-worker, seven months old, but he's he and I are just buds. So anyways, I decided to ask Jacqueline if she would like to be that role for us, to really be not only just for C-School Live, but also just for Team Lively, that larger capacity. And she said yes. Her heart leapt at it. Her inner being said yes, press that button. And so it's flowed really beautifully. And what I love about it is I didn't even have to get stressed. I didn't have to hit a roadblock. I didn't have to stress or worry about anything. It was in my alignment and happiness and appreciation that the idea to hire her in this greater capacity came. She got hired. It wasn't during a you know, crazy whirlwind or storm of activity that was really stressful. It was actually during a really peaceful calm period before the storm that we got to bring her in. So that was really wonderful. Next up on the work front, as another example, is C-School and the curriculum. So I've been working on the curriculum with our curriculum researcher, Laura, and she's in the UK. And we were having this call and I was thinking, you know, of all the things in my life, I have decided, I've created the reality, I've chosen to clear any beliefs that are basically blocking this so it can become my reality, that life can be fun, it can be a game, and I can really be tickled at how amazingly abundant and how much time I can have in my life. That's a belief that I have cultivated and now seen play out and reflect to me, but it took releasing all those old blocks and old beliefs. Like, for example, the tax thing wasn't a direct thing that I needed to clear, but it's an example of a lot of things people have in their lives. I just got an email from a mother who's a mother and a lawyer taking the bar exam, and she had this whole story that life can't only be fun. And then she emailed me and said, Jess, you know, I listened to your episode. I felt this resistance to it. I was like, it can't be fun. My life season right now just can't always be fun. And then she said she questioned that belief, which is the biggest thing, guys. If you are coming up to resistance to what I say about this stuff, it's time to not, I mean, if your inner being is saying this is true for you, then your inner being is right for you. But what it does mean for her was that she had to question, she chose to question, I should say, whether that was a true belief that it can't be fun while she's in the season of motherhood and bar exam. And then she described some situations where she held the belief that it could be fun and actually saw it reflect to her and realized that she's just been telling a story that this can't be fun. And so it hasn't been fun. But when she changed the story, the bar exam and the mothering all became more fun. So it's truly you creating your own reality and it's so cool to see you guys making these shifts in your personal lives. But when it came to C-School, I was like, wait, you guys, I have so much fun. I was telling Laura, I'm like, my life is so easy and fun, but this feels heavy. And in that, I was like, well, I don't even want this to feel heavy. However, the belief I had to get over to even get to the point where I could say, 
I don't want this to feel heavy either, was that I have C-School team. I have someone doing something for every single aspect of C-School except the curriculum and teaching it. That's my part of it. That's my magic sauce that I'm bringing to this equation. The rest of it is a magical team of people that are super aligned for every aspect they're covering. But this was mine. So the belief I had was, okay, I can have alignment and I can have flow and inspired action, ease and fun in all of these other areas of my life. But this curriculum one, I can try to make it fun, but it's really gotta be me. And it's probably, if it's heavy, okay, that's the only thing that's heavy in your life right now. That's the only thing that doesn't feel inspired. That's okay, Jess. It's the only thing. And this is the thing you've got to do for C-School. So just deal with it. That was the beliefs I noticed swirling very, very subtly behind all of this resistance was that I should have this resistance because this is the thing I've got to deal with. Everybody else is doing everything else. So just deal with it, Jess. If it's heavy, it's heavy. But no, I didn't want it to be heavy. I I questioned it. And in questioning it, I talked it out with Laura. And in talking it out, we came to an even better realization, an even better way of teaching this that, of course, is even more fun for me. We came up with the idea to animate a lot of the content in a way that will visually show it. So instead of me just saying words coming out of my mouth, just like all the other people in the conferences I've gone to, they all just spoke it. They all just lectured on it. How many university classes have you been to where people just speak at you instead of actually showing you? And when it comes to the evenings, which is when a lot of people are gonna be taking this course themselves in the online version, I don't want to watch someone lecture. I mean, some people might love that format, but for me in the evenings, I want to learn. I still love learning, but I love things like the YouTube channel Spirit Science, which is animated. I love animations. I love visually seeing these things instead of just hearing someone talk about concepts. I love seeing the visual representation and the movements between how the interplays of things work. And when I'm talking about your body and the systems within it, it's so much easier to see an animation of that than to hear someone describe it. And I realized on the flip side, just as like, this is heavy, I was like, well, it would be really easy to just make scripts and think about how this will visually be represented and then have an animation team animate it. That actually felt lighter and fun and inspired action. It was like, ding, ding, ding. This is the yellow card. This is the card to press. So out of this heaviness and questioning it, I actually flowed into a better solution or a better vehicle for portions of the training. Of course, I'm still going to be doing tons of dialoguing, applicating, and still some of the lecture style. So people that have that learning ability and learning tendency will still be able to receive the information in that way, but also will have animations in addition. So that's amazing. And then last but not least, I said this is the most fun one, the most specific one I ever could imagine. So this is about dating. So In December, when I moved back to Australia, I found out from my friend Erica, who lives in London, about Meghan Markle and how she's marrying Prince Harry. And I had followed her on Suits a few years ago when I watched that show, and I always had liked her as a character, but didn't really know anything about the woman. And when I found out that she was getting married to Prince Harry, she was 36, I didn't even know she had been divorced, but that detail too, I was like wow, she was probably living a really great life. And the story I had been telling myself at that time, as I was 33 and single and moving to Australia, was that I live a weird life. Like I don't have a normal job. I don't have a normal workflow. I don't have a normal schedule. Or I just feel very different than a lot of the people if I went on a dating app, for example. I have just a very different life and set of circumstances. And I kind of, at that time, 
to be honest, was feeling a little bit insecure about those differences because I didn't feel like I fit in to the average Bumble profile, if you will, or the average type of person I might have found on something like that. Now, of course, you might be saying, Jess, you got like a really great life. Like just because you're not average mean might be on a dating app doesn't mean that that's not even in your favor. Like this could be good for you. But at the time, my limiting beliefs were not supporting that. It was actually telling me I'm different. I'm not going to have as easy a chance of finding the right person, for example, in that kind of way, because I'm so different. But when I saw that Meghan Markle was 36, her partner's 33, that he is a prince. I was like, this whole, you know, I'm not, I never was into the Disney princess thing, never dressed up like a princess, never really dove into my femininity as a young kid because I had two brothers and a pretty more like masculine energy sort of mom. So I didn't have any real feminine over the top influences to that life. So I never really cared about a prince or anything. But I did start joking with people in December about, well, if she can marry a prince, she probably was living a pretty great life. You know, she wasn't trying to be the average she'd find on a dating app. She probably was living a really unusually wonderful life that she had based on her circumstances. And she married a prince. And I would just joke about it. I didn't need a prince. I even remember when I bought my big painting in my living room, I loved it. And I was like, you know what, this is where I'm at. And it's not maybe an average place to be at and it's not an average age to be single but there are single people and there are this is my reality and I just kind of owned it because I had this little story around Meghan Markle that was inspiring me to go Jess she married a prince at 36 nothing's impossible for you at 33 where you are it's all fine well okay let's speed up to playing the game of the ESP trainer in real life (sighs) on Easter I had plans to go on a hike with a friend and the friend ended up canceling on me. Now I'm going to give you the details, but I had a plan to go on a hike. Now I don't have a lot of friends or family in Australia. So this hike was kind of like the only thing and I heard everything was closed on Easter Sunday. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go on this hike and this will be the fun thing I'll do on Easter because that otherwise I had nothing to do. So I am planning on going on this hike at 3 p.m. Well, I had nothing to do until 3 p.m. and I thought everything was going to be closed. However, Ezzy, my friend, invited me to go to a coffee shop that was actually open in Bondi. So I go over to Bondi in the morning because she says, hey, I'm going to go to the Blue Mountains. You can come with me. But I said, no, I already have this other hike. So instead of going with her to the Blue Mountains, which would have been fun, I did go get a coffee with her before she left for the Blue Mountains. So I, I go over to Bondi, get this coffee with Ezzy, have a great time. And she's like, are you sure you don't want to come? And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to go on this other hike, but I hope you have a good time. And it felt fun. Like when she said that the coffee shop was open, my heart leapt just like that feeling of inspired action. Like, yes, go there. It's going to give you something to do today before 3 p.m. in the hike. So I get there, I see Ezzy, then she leaves about an hour later. And it's a really cute coffee shop. It has a bookstore and coffee shop. It's called Gertrude. And Alice, and I go there and enjoy loving it, loving it, loving it. So happy that I get to read, and they have a really great metaphysical, spiritual, and you know, neuroscience, all this kind of stuff. Where it's a very, it's got a lively show book section that's really, really good. So, anyways, I love it because you can just pull out a book and start reading and having your coffee and enjoying your time. And there's communal tables, so it's really a nice place to chat and meet different people at the same time. So after she left, I was talking to two men that were sitting at the table next to me about I was reading a Bruce Lipton book. And so we're talking about that and their lives and stuff. And then they leave. And 
after they leave or right around that time, I get a text message from the friend I'm supposed to go on the hike with that afternoon and they cancel. They decide not to go on the hike. So I'm sitting there going, wah, wah, now I have nothing to do the rest of the day on Easter. I'm just going to be you know, alone, which was not what I wanted to do. But I tried to hold out and not get out of alignment because of that. I didn't want my disappointment to lower my vibration or my emotional mood. So I tried to just accept it and just go, okay, just flow with it. You know, you're here at this coffee shop. It's open at least till three. So you'll have something to do for a while. You can always go on a hike in Bondi on my own. So I was, you know, kind of holding out and not reacting negatively to that contrasting piece of information about the hike being canceled. And then I was thinking, of course, man, I could have gone with Ezzy to the mountains instead. But I didn't know because she had already left by the time the plans got changed. So I sat there and the two guys left. And then another person sits down and he puts his hat down on the table. It's a New York Yankees hat. And so I look at it. I remember, I don't even remember really paying that much attention to the person, but I see the hat. The hat was the button. Remember when I say you're learning how to press the button of the ESP trainer, which thing feels like the most inspired action in this moment? Because I didn't get too down or make too big of a story about the fact that the plans got canceled, I was still in a pretty good mood. And in that good receptive mode, alignment before action mood, the inspired action I felt like taking was asking the person, because I assumed he was American, and I had no plans the rest of the day. And I probably wouldn't have been as interested in talking to someone new had I had the plans at the end of the day. But because I was there going, well, I have nothing else to do, an American sat down. Normally, I don't even care. I like talking to non-Americans. But in that moment, there was an American sitting next to me and I felt like talking to them. I'm not even a fan of the Yankees. I don't even know why. But this hat was this little moment. It was a button to press. So I started a conversation and it turns out he knew everything about all the Lively Show books that you could possibly imagine in that library. All the stuff we talk about, he knows it all backwards and forwards. He's studied it for 17 years. I've been two years into this. He's my age as well. And it was just so magical to meet someone that has so much in common with everything I'd been studying, even to the point that I've been getting into some really weird, crazy stuff on Gaia.com that week or two leading up to it. And even that stuff, which was pretty wild, and I didn't know anyone in my personal life that knew that much about that subject, he totally knew a ton about it. So it was just this really fun manifestation. And a few days later, I we start dating in this, you know, kind of period. <laughs> and a few days later, I ask him about his family. He's actually not from America. He's not actually American at all. I just had a Yankees cap. But he is a European from a European country that's very popular and well-known. I'm not going to say which one. But when I asked him, I was like, you know, you were always kind of vague about your last name. And like you said, you had a lot of them. But like, what's going on there? I know you had an unusual childhood. He goes, yeah, well, he explains the mother's from one country, the father's from another. Both of the families that he comes from are very high up in the hierarchy. And one of the families, the one he's most connected to, literally goes, you know, if there was still, there's no longer a royal family in this country. It's a very popular country, but there's no longer a royal, like the the UK has the royal family that's still kind of in place. This country no longer has that in place. But had they still from olden days, his family technically is from a prince family. Are you kidding? A prince family? 
what was I saying from December, January on was like, if Meghan Markle can marry a prince, you know, there's nothing impossible. And here I was totally out of the blue dating what is essentially someone who's a prince or a prince family. Like that was just such, it wasn't a duke. It wasn't a baron. It wasn't a princess. It wasn't a king. It wasn't a queen family. Of course, it was a prince family. And then it made me laugh so much because obviously that's not important to me. But what I find hilarious is when Abraham Hicks says, it's as easy to create or manifest a castle as it is a button. I literally now realize it's as easy to manifest a prince as it is a bumble date. Literally, you might say, well, bumble dates are everywhere. There's no shortage of them. (laughs) But if I was to actually go out there in the universe and say, I'm going to manifest a prince and I'm going to try to put myself in the possible place and, and in the line of a prince, there is no way on earth I would go to Gertrude and Alice and sit at a table with the Bruce Lipton book. I would go to Europe. I would try to research what countries even still have any of that stuff or did have that kind of stuff and go to fancy parties, I would not be sitting there learning stuff on Gaia.com, studying consciousness and reading a Bruce Lipton book at a coffee shop on Easter and have had plans canceled, but that still got me to that place in time. So 10 minutes after the plans canceled, I meet a prince. Now, if you guys are wondering, no, we're not still dating. He's a wonderful new friend, but is not a long-term potential candidate for it. So I'm not going to be royalty. Do not worry. But how funny is the universe and how fun is it to realize, even when you're not directly focused on something, pay attention to what you're saying. Abraham always says is you're getting what you're saying and what you're feeling. And even if you're not focused on it too deeply, there's still a possibility that what you're putting out there is what you're going to get back, even in the case of something like that. It still makes me laugh so much. And what I loved about that experience was that it showed me I do not need to effort or strive at this in any way, in any area of life. And I'm probably the most casual and relaxed and aligned and not efforting or striving in my career. But to be honest, the relationship side of my life is the area that I tended to or have uh, efforted and strived more than any other because it's the one that I think my ego is just most excited to have next. So seeing that this little detail (laughs) that I thought would be basically impossible or not even, I didn't even think there were any other princes and obviously it's just bizarre and wonderful and so funny to see. I didn't have to effort or strive at it and I got it and then It didn't even have to be the person that was my ultimate partner, but just to show you can have anything you want, but it doesn't come through efforting or striving or visualizing a prince or any of that stuff. You don't. You just got to allow and you got to get in that receptive mode and let the urge to go to Gertrude and Alice to see Ezzy guide you. And then, you know, the urge to not get upset when your plans get canceled guide you. And then the urge to talk to someone wearing a Yankees cap guide you. That's it. Those little moments or those shoes that I wanted, I had no idea looking at another pair of shoes would lead me to the ones I wanted all along. So I hope this is making sense for you guys. I hope you guys decide to possibly try the ESP training yourselves. And like I said, potentially try playing the game the way I'm playing it, which is feeling for the next card and being in the present moment. What is the next card to press now? 
now, now, and not overthinking it, not logically doing it. Because basically, for the example of the prince, if I thought, okay, I want to get the card right, I want to find a prince. Obviously, it was not on my agenda. But if I had had that on my agenda, I would have efforted and tried to strategize just like, okay, so I'm going to think about what the next card is based on all the previous moves. Well, you can't. It's about what's the card now. And sometimes that card is not going to make logical sense. It's going to be the yellow card for the fourth or fifth time in a row. And if you can feel for that, you're more likely to tap on that card, even though logic doesn't make sense. Or I'd have literally no idea in the world that on Easter Sunday with everything closed, but basically this coffee shop, I would find a European from a prince family while reading a book about Bruce Lipton and learning about crazy alien stuff on Gaia.com. Like literally, I would have no idea that that would be how it would happen and that we'd have so much in common, let alone the Prince detail in of itself. So I hope this helps you guys to learn a little bit more about how I'm playing the game of life and how fun it truly is. And I hope you can try this yourself in whatever way feels like fun for you. I say that this is starting to feel a little bit, I started telling people like, I'm figure skating with my eyes closed. And what is happening as I figure skate with my eyes closed and just turn and flow with what's coming, feeling from within, it's like there's all these walls that I'm being turned and twisted and twirling around. So I'm not hitting the walls. I don't even see the walls there, but I'm not hitting them and then course correcting. When you get into this alignment and you get really good at that receptive mode, you get really good at figuring out like the next thing that sounds fun is to talk to the guy in the Yankees cap or the next thing that's fun is to ask the lady about her shoes or how can this work be more fun because it's feeling a little heavy. When you have those inclinations, you get to course correct before hitting the wall. I think most humans and consciousness so far not doing it this way, using their logical mind, trying to use an effort their way to things. They efforted their way into hitting a brick wall. So like they take on too much and then they hit this wall. The contrast of hitting that wall of like work, for example, and getting so overloaded and feeling really drained by that or maybe having real stuff actually happen in their lives where they go, okay, I can't take this anymore. Then they course correct. But the other way to do this, instead of hitting all these walls and like crashing into them and getting hurt and bruised along the way and then course correcting is to get into this alignment and trust your inner being and let it guide you swirling, twirling, triple looping around your life without even knowing the walls are there. I wasn't hitting walls to find these things. It was just about staying in an aligned state and staying receptive to the next right action to take that led to all of these fun manifestations along the way. So there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoy this. Re-listen to this episode if this feels like a lot. I know when I tell friends, it's like kind of sometimes going over their heads. So maybe even if this doesn't resonate for where you are in your life right now, you consider coming back to it or maybe it's something you want to share with someone you really think will like it and resonate with it. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter, you can find me at Jess C as in co-creating lively. And for show notes for this episode and that ESP trainer, et cetera, go over to JessLively.com slash game of life. Now for what I'm up to next, I have chairs for the living room, still trying to manifest those. I bought some that I thought were perfect and all the details I'd data collected, but they are four months delayed. So I'm hoping that another chair shows up before that other four-month deadline. And in the meantime, I'm also, of course, working on C-School, the animations, the curriculum, and getting so much 
ready and excited for the C-School live event that's happening this June. If you want to learn more about C-School, if you want to join us in the live event, we still have tickets left over at cschool.io. Thank you guys so much. I love you so much. It's so fun to be able to chat with you again. And until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. 